Greetings, Parish Orphans and Retrogrades. Happy Friday. In the ongoing saga of Shia LaBeouf's Latin Mass conversion to the Roman Catholic faith, another funny development occurred about a day and a half ago, and that is Cardinal Roche of England, who's in charge of the liturgy under Pope Francis, had scratched his head and admitted it publicly. I don't understand, if I can paraphrase, why Shia LaBeouf loves this Latin Mass thing so much. Let's talk, which is hilarious. So it's an ongoing saga. It's kind of corny to continue talking about it, but we lovers of the Latin Mass can't not. That's what we're going to be talking about on today's episode of Rules for Retrogrades. Shortly after these messages, it's the second day of the month, September the 2nd, 20 days from the day in the Lord of the Rings universe that Frodo and Sam set off on the journey of the ring. We always have a September 22nd party. It's also the first day of fall. And that means that, we, we, you know, in the places of the world that aren't completely, completely hot, we're celebrating fall basically all September long. Do so now at the beginning of a September month in two ways. Firstly, join me as a patron. I know that sounds a little bit strange, but patrons of mine on Timothy J. Gordon's Patreon page get enhanced benefits in this year, 2022, compared to all the other years I've ever done this. All of them are now getting to join free. All levels, even the lowest $5 patron, can join in weekly book clubs that we're doing often throughout the year. We just wrapped up last Friday a Father Elijah book club. Starting in October, the four Thursdays of October, we're going to do a viewing party of Stranger Things first season. We're going to be talking about the not-so-latent Aristotelianism therein. But to do that, you have to be a patron. Join today on Timothy J. Gordon, patreon.com. Great benefits at different levels. You're incentivized with different things like free books, signed books, uh, access to me. You know the deal with Patreon. But the, the newest thing this year is book clubs and watching clubs, which we're going to be doing on and off throughout the year. The Stranger Things Watching Club begins in a few short weeks in honor of Halloween and what's called the Tide, the three fun days of the 31st of October, 1st and 2nd of November. Become a patron today. And for all people, patrons and non-patrons alike, of course, this is the last or second to last show I'm doing before the beginning of our free catechism class on the Baltimore Catechism. Go to timothyjgordon.com and sign up for a free class today. There are only a handful of spaces left. We open this to 500. It'll be a class of 500. It's a suggested donation of 100 bucks, but for homeschoolers who are light on fundulation, it's absolutely free. Take the last few spots. If you go there right now, you might be able to beat everyone else to the punch. I think it's literally under 25 spots left. Yeah. Okay. And look, we're trying to get to 40,000 subscribers. Like this video and please subscribe. Click the notification bell so you don't miss one show. Help us prayerfully grow the channel steadily yet slowly. We don't want rapid growth. We don't want to be captive creators. I don't want just anyone. But you parish orphans and retrogrades, tell your friends. If you think someone will like this show and they're a good fit, not going to be getting offended at adult topics in the church. The church culture that we need to bring to the wider American culture and some jokes. Then tell them, hey, I think you're a parish orphan and or a retrograde and I think you need to be watching Rules for Retrogrades. But first, you have to be subscribed yourself, of course. All right, so let's, before I get into the National Catholic Reporter article, which covers this, Shia LaBeouf is getting attention even from Arthur Roach. Um, I want to talk, I want to put it into context a little bit. So, you know, English Cardinal Arthur Roche says, I'd like to know why he, Shia, thinks that, and by that it just means the Latin Mass is the only place you go to a Catholic Mass without feeling like you're being sold a car. 
He also wants to know what is his experience of the celebration of the Mass. That's what priests do. We try to talk to people. The reporter, the National Catholic Distorter, has a funny view on this, of course, because they're, they're far-left liberal. And we'll talk about that a little bit. But first, I just want to say, priests like Arthur Roche, priests like Pope Francis, priests and bishops, I should say, are supposed to talk to people. They're supposed to pull the electorate. They're supposed to have the smell of the sheepfold on them. And this is Pope Francis's often repeated uh, expression. He gets it from the Bible. And the question for starters today is, is this what they do? I mean, they, they do this, and I, I would include Bishop Barron, who ran a really tight interview of Shia LaBeouf that got over a million views in its first week, just last week. I would say they all seem to be starstruck with the world. And that's why Shia LaBeouf is getting immediate attention just by saying, hey, look, like everyone else who's moderately observant, the Latin mass caught my attention with its veracity an inherent credibility and its reverence and it made me into a believer like so many fallen away catholics wow i just can't believe it my friend and co-author dr michael robillard with whom i i authored don't go to college out now for regnery press he came to his first ever latin mass with steph and and me in new orleans and, uh, and, I mean, that was less than a year ago. That was when we were finishing the book in January when he was staying with us. And he said, I just feel robbed of my birthright. He's a cradle Catholic from the greater Boston area of Massachusetts. And like so many people, growing up, growing up in the 80s, we're exactly the same age, we're each 41. He didn't know about the Latin Mass. And, and he went to his first one that day with us. He said, this is my birthright. I've been robbed of it. Now, Shia was not a cradle Catholic. His mother was a Jew. And um, yet he had the same experience, thinking he understood Catholicism, like so many cradle Catholics who end up becoming reverts because of the TLM. He thought he understood Catholicism as this effeminate organism, church organism, because that is what it's been in the spirit of Vatican II era, the post-conciliar era. It's been an effeminate organism run by Susan from the parish council. Every, council, every parish around the country is run by Susan or some team of Susan and Karen. Susans and Karens, I should say. And the songs at Mass aren't chants, they're hymns. You guys know the deal, right? And they were hand-picked by the only human beings on the face of the earth Susan and Karen, a subset of those born between 1946 and 1964. Not all of these people, mind you. Lots of baby boomers are good, holy retrogrades, parish orphans. But a subset of Karens and Susans born between 46 and 64, the only human beings apparently capable of thinking, go make a difference, or on eagle's wings are touching beautiful ways to reverence and worship our Lord Jesus Christ in his body, blood, soul, divinity as we prepare for the consecration at Mass. So Shia's experience, as you learned, as you watched him on the Word on Fire Bishop Barron podcast, is not that different from yours and mine, if you're roughly my age. Even if you're a Gen Xer, you're, you're 10 years older than me. It's not that different if you grew up in the 70s, I grew up in the 80s or the 90s. He didn't go to church, but he had the exact same impression of what Roman Catholicism is in the post-conciliar era. None of us knew in the church, or people like him who are a little younger than me outside of the church, none of us knew that we were in some distinct idiosyncratic era, did we? Right? A lot of evangelical Protestants don't know they're Protestants. Have you ever had to explain this to them? You have to be like, no, 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 no. Christian is the genus. 
the species is Catholic or Protestant or Orthodox. This is just a basic org chart, bro. And they're like, no, 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 I'm not. What, what is that P word? Pro Protestant? No, I'm a Christian. They don't even know because they're so dehistoricized what they are. No, you are a Protestant Christian. You love the Bible, which goes back to around 400 AD, you know, in terms of its canonization by the Catholic Church. But your religion, aside of the Bible, the one noble aspect of Protestantism, your religion really is about 500 and, 500 and uh, you know, four years old, four, 505 years old. Uh, it's not 2,000 years old. Well, they don't know because they've been swimming in this dirty water and they don't know that the water's dirty till they get outside of it. That's the exact same thing in a smaller scale that happened to us, post-conciliar Catholics. Okay, so that's the whole context. Growing up in the 70s, 80s, or 90s, one didn't know that this effeminate Catholicism run by and for Susan and Karen was a fake version of Catholicism, an ersatz version at the very least. I don't mean the mass is fake. Of course, I don't mean that. We've talked about this till we're blue in the face. I'm sick of it. But the, cultural, the culture of Catholicism, as dead as it was to the true knower of Roman Catholicism, Catholicism, there was a culture that sprung up in its place, a fake ersatz one. Fugazi. Uh, a, 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 you know, cubic zirconia Catholicism. And it was, instead of masculine, it was, and so Shia, as someone who's five years younger than me, grew up thinking the exact same thing I did, and I, even though it was post-conciliar Catholicism and we went to horrible, horrible, ugly churches built in the 70s that stripped their altars out, he had basically the same view of pretty much basically all the same aspects of Catholicism as I did. I mean, with maybe a, a more liberal, secular Jewish outlook because of his mother. I, I didn't have the, the liberalism or so much secularism, but effeminate Catholicism is secularism in some regard or another. And he specifically said he had an effeminate view of Jesus, which so did I. So did I. So did most of us. We didn't know, Jesus said, I, I came not to bring peace, but a sword. Jesus is, just, I didn't know who he was. Okay, so now, when let's, let's put this back into the position as to what happened a day and a half ago. A week and a half ago, Bishop Barron said, Shia, tell me, and he looked like he got caught off guard. He did a good job with the interview. I don't want to take away credit, but... He, he did a very nice job keeping it together, but he was, I think, if I had to guess, he was caught off guard. He was caught off guard. He wasn't expecting this guy that he, he you know, actor, cool guy. Yeah, he's, he's an actor. He's a bad boy actor. He's fallen on hard times. He's a bit of a pariah, but that, that doesn't discount most people, particularly center-left priests and bishops, from still thinking he's cool. There's a bad boy aesthetic, okay? So don't, Bishop Barron might have said, hey, I'm helping to usher this wayward son back into good, you know, eudaimonia. Forget the faith, but, you know, I'm helping out a guy that's no longer cool. He's a social pride. That's not true. There's still an aesthetic. One of the biggest actors in the world who's of the age to be in his prime, he's 36 years old. He's, he's a bad boy. People still think he's cool, even though he got in trouble those 10 or 15 years. And, and he's got the bad boy aesthetic going. So this is not like Bishop Barron reached out to a truly outcast member of society. I want to distinguish. A really rich, once cool actor of his generation, Hollywood actor who is known as maybe the greatest actor of people around his age, can never in our secular culture be that much of a pariah. To people like you and me, man, he's done some really messed up stuff, and Shia seems to admit it. But I just want to, I guess in this sense, take away a little credit from people like um, Cardinal Roche, Bishop Barron. They're, they're Twitter-pated, 
I don't, I don't mean romantically. I mean, they're Twitter pated with the worldliness and the fame and the power. And so they're more willing to do outreach, dialogue, overlooking of a flaw like Shia's loving of the TLM for him than, he are, than they are for you or I, you or me, for you or me. They will not do it. And I don't want to beat up on Bishop Barron. He did the good interview and everyone's talking about it. So it looks a little bit cannibalistic to beat so much. of. And I do think he did a nice job with the interview. But he does get lumped in with the other members of the, the, the Curia. Well, he's not a member of the Curia. With people like Roche, who you just keep coming back to it. This is crazy. In under a week, in under two weeks one of the number one actors in the world of his generation says, I want to be Catholic, and they reach out to him. Um, Bishop Barron was, you know, bishop still, a, a, a very local bishop near to me when I got fired. The bishop who fired me in uh, the Diocese of Fresno worked very closely at one time or another with Bishop Barron. So I made an invocation when I got fired, like, hey, Bishop Barron, would you... I forget exactly what I said, but he should have known about it. Why not reach out to another bad boy social pariah? Not, 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 a, not an actor, not, no, not a household name, not a, you know, never, never been in trouble in the way Shia is. But hey, I was in trouble. I had six kids or whatever I had, and I lost my job. There was none of the glitz or the glamour there. Plus, the only way that my name had any cognizability to the bishop was... Latin Mass. This guy's a Latin Mass guy. This guy in, in Taylor Marshall said, made some videos about me leveling some critiques. I understand that makes it hard to be charitable, but it's the job of a bishop. And more important than any of that, I put all aside all of that. It's very telling that the Vatican is now joining ranks in just being thrilled not even bitter. You know, you'd expect, if they're going to be consistent, you'd expect them to be bitter, but thrilled that a Catholic, uh, sorry, that an actor becomes Catholic, even though he's joining the wrong ranks. I mean, listen to what he said. This is, this is from the National Catholic Distorter article up two days ago on August 31st, late August 31st. The head of the Vatican's liturgy office says he would welcome a conversation with Hollywood actor Shia LaBeouf who recently cited the traditional Latin Mass as motivation for his conversion to Catholicism. I would say sole motivation. I'm surprised NCR could even choke out that sentence. Didn't say sole motivation, which it was, but, but they admitted it. Here's a direct quote. I'd like to know why he thinks that. What is his experience of the celebration of the Mass? Said, <laughs> so, boomer. so boomer, man. Dude, bro, bro, uh, here, dig this. Let's rap a little bit. This is going to be really far out and groovy. Go make a difference. Isn't that cool, Shia? No. Arch, Arch, uh, English Cardinal Arthur Roche says, that's what priests do. We try to talk to people. Roche, according to NCR, is one of the 20 new prelates, prelates elevated to the College of Cardinals by Pope Francis on August the 27th. He was just Archbishop Roche, and now he's... Cardinal Roche, he spearheaded the Pope's liturgical reforms, which have included restricting the traditional Latin Mass to limited times, places, and celebrants in an effort to facilitate a more unified form of church worship. You guys get it. I don't want to belabor the point, but if you really want to facilitate a more unified form of church worship, you make church worship more unified, <laughs> meaning one language and more continuous the old form of the Mass truly unified everyone. So this is, I choked this sentence out as a, a lie, okay? And, and Pope Francis is not reforming the traditional Latin Mass or restricting the traditional Latin Mass. He is, by all appearances, I think, moving to completely vituperate it, to remove it from the face of the earth. The very thing which Shia LaBeouf says converted him to the faith, very typical experience of all except a certain subset of 
boomer ladies. Very typical. It's got evangelical power. At least Cardinal Roche says, hey, I, I kind of want to pick his brain about this. It's funny, but I'm surprised. The more bitter ones, I don't think Francis would even want to pick, pick his brain. Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe I'll be proven wrong. But I'm kind of surprised they even took this L smilingly or with curiosity, with good faith curiosity. I'm surprised they're even like, yeah, I want to talk at all. I'm surprised they're not just shouting him down. Well, what's the countervailing force? The countervailing force is Shia LaBeouf has worldly power that you and I don't have. He stands for worldly success in a way that no trad, a trad influencer, a trad content viewer has. None of us. None of us have that kind of influence is Shia LaBeouf. And that's the countervailing force. Why would Roche, why would Baron be so friendly? And Baron, we were watching him do it in real time. He seemed to be genuinely surprised. But Roche took, you know, a week or a week and a half to absorb this interview heard around the world. And secular press is talking about it still, by the way. And he's still coming up with basically the same responses that, that Bishop Barron did, like friendly, in an uncharacteristic way. They don't like trads. They don't like people who like the TLM. And curious. And they're not usually even good faith curious as to why do all these young people like it. Now, I got to give credit. Both Cardinal Roche and Bishop Barron are, how should I say this? Why well, I just, I guess I already got it out. They're curious and they're friendly about it because it's Shia. Whereas Pope Francis is a much more rigid example of, you know, uh, uh, an older baby boomer, actually older than a baby boomer, who just clearly dislikes the attendance of the TLM. Remember in 2015, he said, dig, dig a little bit. There are psychological problems or something like that, behind every young person that tries to reclaim tradition, particularly in the liturgy. Not a direct quote, but he said, dig, dig. There are psychological problems there. There's a rigidity there. Always there's some psychology that belies this. That's mean. I mean, I thought he didn't like rigidity. They think, he thinks it's weird that we just want Jesus to be respected on the altar. It is, given a certain set of premises that I don't want to go into with Francis because we've already talked about it. It is weird. It is weird from his perspective that we want reverence for Jesus, assuming a few conditions about Francis. LaBeouf, according to NCR, is currently playing the titular role in the new film, Padre Pio, which chronicles the life of the popular mystic Capuchin monk who was canonized by Pope John Paul II in 2002. In the press promotion for the film, LaBeouf, 36 years old, who has a history of domestic violence allegations. I like how NCR just peppers this in. Now, they're, they're doing the Pope Francis more than the Roche or Baron. They're just taking a shot at him. That's not relevant to this article. Who has a history of domestic violence allegations. Says he experienced genuine emotional experiencing experiences while practicing the Latin scenes for the film, ultimately leading him to seek conversion to Catholicism. Direct quote from Shia, the Latin mass affects me deeply, the actor said in a recent interview. That's not the direct quote. The direct quote is, the Latin mass affects me deeply. Deeply. He repeats the word, which is beautiful, because it doesn't feel like they're trying to sell me a car. I, I can't believe they even covered this on NCR. It's too true. Right? Remember on Frasier when someone's like, oh, you're trying to call me this name and say these ugly things about me. And Frasier's like, no, I'm trying not to say those things because they're so true. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is National Catholic Distorter. In a joint interview with NCR in the UK's The Tablet magazine on August 27, Cardinal Roche said he was unfamiliar with LaBeouf. Don't believe that and the news of his conversion, but said that when it comes to high-profile Latin Mass supporters who publicly extol it as a superior form of the liturgy, he hopes they will encounter the same reverence in the liturgy's ordinary form. Huh. Novus Ordo. 
which has been continually updated since the Second Vatican Council, which took place between 1962 and 1965. Same thing I was saying about Protestants, the really evangelical ones, the especially historically illiterate ones, our brothers in Christ, we love them, but they're, they're historically illiterate, like Chesterton says. Or the, the folks that, that experienced, like me, in the 70s or 80s or 90s or early 2000s, a bankrupt culture of Catholicism, but didn't know historically that this was novel. Same thing with with those who have attended the Latin Mass, or sorry, the, the regular, uh, the ordinary form of the Mass after the Missal of Paul VI was released in 1969. All of our lives, they don't even know it's called the Novus Ordo. I was talking about this uh, with my buddy the other day. To call it like, oh, the, the, you know, the modern Mass. They'll call it something like that. Protestants will just call themselves Christians. You don't, if you don't have a view of the timeline, here's Jesus. Here's the Gospels. Jesus is 33 years. Here's Acts of the Apostles the next couple years. Here's the writings of St. Paul the next decade. And then all this time in salvation history, you know, Constantine represents the opening up of Christianity. It becomes a public faith for, for Europe at the Edict of Milan. You know, the beginning of the 4th century. And pretty much from then to when they got the first form of the TLM together, 5 to 600 AD, for the next thousand years, it was being modified organically. And you get the, the, the Protestant revolt in the early 1500s. And then... Uh, Two and a half decades later, you have the Council of Trent. Sorry, three and a half decades later, you have the Council of Trent, and you have the Tridentine Mass, which organizes as a tighter, tighter form of the thousand-year-old um, proto-Tridentine Mass. And then, 500 years after that, 450 years after that, Vatican II, spirit of Vatican II, whatever you want to call it, attacks it and gives us this brand new thing. Unless you know all that, you, you just will be like, well, I guess there's this modern mass. I, I did know that the, the new mass was, was something that hadn't always been extant in Catholicism. But I didn't know it was called the Novus Ordo. If you talk to a normie Catholic, they don't even know Tridentine is an adjectival for the Council of Trent. They don't know Novus Ordo. You know, they might have looked at a dollar bill one time and known Novus Ordo Seclorum. But they don't know that we have a mass named after the the, the New World Order. <laughs> or I mean, it's it's really something else. So there's this idea of show a guy a timeline, okay? Parish orphans and retrogrades. Show a guy a timeline and say, here we are. You don't need to tell him anything else. Here's where Jesus was. Here's three or four events that happened, and all of a sudden he gets based in red pill. Oh, oh, so there was a mass going this whole time. You don't even have to fill in the lines. You don't have to fill in the blanks. Just the early form of the Tridentine Mass, shortly after Constantine and his mom opened up Christianity for the world. It wasn't just a subterranean religion. You get some normal changes. You get a formalization a thousand years later. And then, boom, in the 20th century, they get really mad at it. And they start saying, it needs to go away. Because, uh, you know the arguments. People are saying rosaries during Mass. That's horrible. They should be singing Alleluia by, you know, the, the song on Shrek by some secular Jewish guy about losing his virginity. That's what they should be singing during Mass. I have been to so many Masses that sing that. What's that guy's name? My Alleluia Shrek song guy? Isn't he a secular Jewish guy? And he, he wrote the song about losing his virginity? And they're singing that at Mass. They're like, people shouldn't be saying rosaries. That's not what Mass is there for. That's ridiculous. People should not be chanting songs about Jesus in Latin during Mass. They should be singing about losing their virginity. Like people from, that aren't Christians. That's what Mass is for, okay? I mean, this is how they get uppity. And then guys like Roche Baron, I guess Pope Francis, if he even cares, are like, why do people want lovely chanted songs in the language of the church, ecclesiastical Latin? We don't get it. Don't you want go and make a difference? It's in 4-4 it's in four, four time signature. 
There's an acoustic guitar. How little they understand, like what's actually attractive. It is. It's really embarrassing. It's like it. it, it why? Yeah, I. I I'm. Yeah, I mean, I, it's weird because I mean, this is kind of like this. This whole show that we're doing today, today's episode of Rules for Retrogrades, is a little bit of a duh, because everyone out there gets it. I think there's some value in doing some shows that are duh. A lot of times we're we're being quite tech, techy about ecclesiology, Thomism, the Constitution, the U.S. Constitution, Vatican II constitutions. Today it's kind of just like let that sink in, because as much of a duh as what we're saying is here today. I still get people being like, dude, don't say boomer. Don't say okay. But I'm like, no, there are really good boomer, like baby boomers that are based and red-pilled, fans of the show and good friends of this show. What, what's up, Bob? You know who you are. Just one of the greatest friends of this show. Virginia Bob, we love you. You're like family to us. You know, you got... Hundreds of other fans of Rules for Retrogrades are literally boom. We're not talking about the entire genus. You name the genus when that's the controlling, governing characteristic thereof. And I, ref- but having said all that, loving some of you based in red pilled, amazing boomers, like family, who get it. When we get together, we have great talks going to be in Virginia, actually, uh, maybe meeting up with uh, some, some people, maybe the Mass of the Ages people. So maybe maybe we'll, we'll have to get together, Bob. But I mean, I'm, I still refuse to, to jettison this language, like the boomer language. Listen to this statement by Cardinal Roche and just understand as a kind of sign and a symbol this sentence or two is why I can never just be like, yeah, I won't say that, generally speaking, boomers straight up don't get why we love the Latin Mass. 90% of them or more. The Mass should be celebrated with great dignity, Roach said. It isn't just something, a trait that belongs to the Missal of 1962. They love that Missal of 1962 because it makes it seem like it's just eight years older, than, seven, seven and a half years older than the Novus Ordo. It belongs to the reform. Hmm. Well, then why does everyone think that? I, I'm not going to get into, is the platonic form of the new mass disrespectful, or is it only as applied 99% of the time it's disrespectful? Because I think that even platonic form, perfectly done, TLM versus platonic form of the Novus Ordo, you still have a wide gap. Enough to where we don't really have to debate so much how reverent the less reverent Novus Ordo can be. And guess what, Cardinal Roche? Everyone agrees with me. That's why you have to deal with it. When Pope Paul VI had to come out and say, I'm not a homosexual, when he first became Pope, that's an L, even, uh, even if it's true. That's a giant L. You know why? Because most dudes don't have to do that. <laughs> so if you have to come out and you have to say, look, I know the Novus Ordo seems just vile and irreverent the way that it's done 95 plus percent of the time. But theoretically, this one time, many folks have been to one instance of it that wasn't quite so bad. You've lost. Right, You've lost the argument, you've lost your audience, you've lost the capacity to make a plausible claim about the so-called comedy or the presumptive parallelism, the parallel economy of the two forms of the Roman right. You've lost. Once you're in that realm, when you're like, look, guys, I, you know, to use the old expression, have you stopped beating your wife yet? Look, guys, I promise I've stopped. You've already lost. Look, guys, the Novus Ordo doesn't have to be that abysmally perfidious, faithless. In every instance, it's just almost all instances. You've lost, okay? During the interview, NCR continues, Roche also said that he believes much of the resistance to Francis, as has been expressed by a number of Latin mass adherents, 
is rooted in opposition to the reforms of the council. Yes and no. Well, it's not worth going into now. The answer is yes and no. Francis is worse than Vatican II. Vatican II, when you check its most important self, its documents, the culture of it's horrible, and culture is important too. But when you check its documents, its truest self, things get better. You get way less angry, if you're honest. Francis's words, you hear a popular reiteration of them on some secular media, conservative or liberal, and you're like, this is bad. Let me go check the actual, what did he actually say? Things get worse, not better. I pointed that out several times. So there's a distinguishable moment. Vatican II reforms included the approval of the translation of the liturgy into the vernacular. Ugh. How does that make things more unified? Used to be in one language, now everyone's speaking their own language. That's not more unified, that's less. It also included an effort to make the Mass more accessible. That means you are, cultural, you are appropriating the, the endemic culture where the Mass is being said. That's also depleting quite directly from unity. And the new Mass also involves a greater participation of the laity. That means you're hearing more peppered in responses and questions from the audience, to put it into a secular context. That means it's less unified. Less unified vernacular, less unified enculturation, less unified responses. It's a lie that the Novus Ordo, even perfectly done, unifies more. It diversifies more. And they said this. They said this in Sacrosanctum Concilium that they're going to be diversifying more. That's in the document. They're like, let's, let's do it more culturally, and we're going to have a more multifarious approach according to the culture, the play. What continent are we on? What country and what continent are we on? The Mass in the Novus Ordo is going to look different. That's not unity. That's the opposite. So they're admitting that. That's not a lie about the Vatican II documents. I was, just re- I was sick earlier in the week. I was just reading Sacrosanctum Concilium in the middle of the night because I hadn't read it in a few months. It's definitely there. Reform of the liturgy was an enormous, long preparation prior to the council, and the council is the highest legislation that exists in the church. Um, I don't have time to correct all of this. Once the le- that legislation comes into effect, it's a very serious matter. So many errors here. I'm not, I'm not even trying to be smarmy or like, Look at the camera scratching my head. I just, there's so many errors in what he's saying. The Mass isn't directly related to the Council. It's an indirect emanation. You all know the story why. The Concilium. You disregard that, and you're really putting yourself sideways toward the edges of the Church. Either Cardinal Roach is bald-facedly lying, or he is a truly ignorant person. I don't know which it is. It's one of the two. He's either truly ignorant, and he's saying that the, the liturgy was a highest legislation from the council, which is not right. Or he just is very ignorant as to what it is. The new Mass does not come directly from Vatican II. I just thought all adults who are semi-serious Catholics, even libs, who aren't semi-serious Catholics, but are epistemologically, knew that. I thought they all knew that, and they don't. Roche warned against those reluctant to embrace the reforms of Vatican II, which is a whole different issue. It's not, that's not a mass thing. Describing them as not only dragging their feet, but stubbornly opposing what the church has decreed. The church doesn't decree something about liturgy, right? You guys are claiming it's organic reforms. That's not a decree. Decree is doctrine, my man. And that's a very serious matter, Roche continues. In the end, people have to ask themselves, am I really Catholic or am I more of a Protestant? Boom. Roasted, he thinks. Um, so there you have it. I mean, I, th- I, think this is, I think this is pretty good treatment of a, of a pretty obvious topic. It's worth talking about for a half hour that an actor, a Hollywood actor, Hollywood superstar Shia LaBeouf, 
says, I got converted to Roman Catholicism <laughs> by the beauty of the TLM. He says what every revert my age I've ever spoken to said. I got converted by tradition, usually the traditional liturgy, almost always the traditional liturgy. But everyone who grew up in the 70s, 80s, or 90s, people 10 years older than me, 10 years younger than me, 15 years older than me, 15 years younger than me, everything in between, there's like, well, I was raised Catholic, but obviously my parents didn't take it that seriously. Obviously, my parents contracepted. We had what what 2.1 kids in the household then now it's like 1.8 yeah we had we were no better than the protestants or the secularists who who contracept like pagans you know we did we did a catholic thing kind of as part of our weekly routine or not we didn't really have a confession routine we didn't really celebrate the the church calendar we lived in ways plainly contradictory of the catholic way of life and so did all of my my Catholic friends, unless you were like a religious Catholic in the 70s, 80s, or 90s. That was pretty outlier, pretty weird. In the 70s, 80s, 90s, only probably if you were an attendee of SSPX or something like that, did you know this stuff? Or, or did your family raise you this way? One out of 500 Catholics in the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s attended like normal churches, like fully whatever whatever the canonical dispute is with SSPX non SSPX full uh, participation in the faith Catholic churches and still like lived the faith I mean can we just can d- does Cardinal Roche understand that that the liturgy is the the, the Lex Orandi which becomes the Lex Credendi law of prayer becomes the law of belief in the church and because this is a timeless precept, which is redundant, all precepts are timeless, of being a Catholic, of being a human, really. The way you pray is the way you'll come to believe. Hi, Penn. Um, everyone grew up, unless they went to like an SSPX chapel or something, which is very, very outlier even then, they grew up not believing the faith. They grew up being like, this is like we get off of school, run to the bank, run to the market. Remember in the 80s, errands were big. You know, it's like you, you, you do these very 80s and 90s-ish errands. I was in a carpool because the Catholic school <laughs> wasn't that close to my home. My mom or the other moms were always stopping by the bank or the market or the post office. Being Catholic was like another box you checked, except it wasn't a weekday thing. There was no Catholic, Catholicity to my weekday, even going to Catholic schools. I had a color, except for the coloring book religion class, which never gave homework, never had us do anything serious. Taught by a woman. Taught by a woman. It was always the goofiest class that we just colored scars and worse thing on things onto the faces of like the, you know, the captioned pictures of these flimsy coloring book religion books. I've been to, con- I, I need to continue to confess for the things I colored onto my religion books. Unholy things. I mean, not, not, not blasphemous, but. We all did it. If you grew up in the 70s, 80s, 90s, or early 2000s, you just didn't know that the faith was true, by and large, unless you had some special charism of attunement. Unless you had a special charism of attunement or you went to like an SSPX chapel, your, your family, who you called Catholic, be all arguably because of the liturgy and the enculturation of, of, you know, anti-Catholicism within the faith, your family wasn't really Catholic. Let's just say it, okay? And the, the liturgy contains the source and the summit, the Eucharist, and that was intentionally subverted, the consecration and the Eucharist. They told us still technically with the prayers, this is the source and the summit of the faith, but they didn't show us, did they? And really, kids respond to what you show them, not what you tell them. And adults, too. So, yeah. So, now everyone's like, well, it might be an oversimplification slightly. Because I'm, I'm a precise kind of thinker. I'm a philosopher. Or I, t- I try to be. Let me say that. I try to be precise. So, I realize there's a slight danger of oversimplification to be like, Cardinal Roche, here's why everyone converts when they see the old mass. 
because in the old mass, you're being shown that Jesus Christ is Lord. A Lord who did something historically quite specific. Died on a cross for us the night before which he said, eat my body, blood, soul, and divinity in this Eucharistic thing. And my main bishops, the apostles, are going to be capable with these magical powers, as the world would view them, of turning a piece of bread into my body, blood, soul, divinity. That Jesus, that faith, that Eucharist, that act of consecration, that is what none of us, but none of us, aside from extremely astronomically minority outliers in the 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s, early 2000s, knew was real as like a proposition of truth. Is it true or not? No. On the weekdays, you get off even your Catholic school, your mom or your carpool takes you to the bank, the market, the post office, you're bored. If you live in a place like I did, like California or Texas, you're hot in the car while your friend's mom is going in. No one is, you're, you're all talking about bad stuff because your woman religion teacher isn't teaching you the real faith. He's not teaching you, look, if you even talk about these things or say these disrespectful things about sex, if you're in a middle school or high school, if you get in a car accident, you can go to hell. Like, and you could always get in a car accident because your friend's uh, woman parent is driving you, right? Burn. So th that's the point. If you tell a young man who's reasonably intelligent, don't do that. This stuff is real. And by the way, the mass we're going to on Friday is going to be the TLM every Friday. It's going to show you it's real. Your teacher is going to tell you it's all real. Then unless you're a moron, you don't do that stuff. But no one was telling us not to do that stuff. Instead, we had priests saying, you know, self-abuse, it's, it's not ideal. Just don't do it that much. Literally, what one of the priests was saying at, at one of the feeder schools to where I taught. Yeah, we used to believe in a distinction between mortal sin and venial sin. I've been told of near, by, or concerning the confessional. Right when I was leaving or right going in, I forget what. Yeah, we don't really believe God would send people to hell. Anyone said that? Anyone who's interviewed Shia LaBeouf lately? We don't really believe, that, I mean, there's a good chance anyone who's trying to live the faith and have it in their daily lives in a way we lacked it in the 70s, 80s, 90s, early 2000s, it's an exercise in futility. Everyone goes anyway. That's why it matters so much. That's why people go to the TLM, get a real religion class, learn the real truths, and convert to the faith. They don't treat mass like Woodstock. That, is, that doesn't apply or appeal to people. Is having a Woodstock mentality at mass, dudes in this generation do not appreciate that sort of aesthetic. <laughs> or, or, or the ladies. No one does. No, no one does. Even, you know, young women, young men, everyone's just like, what do you mean? Why would this, there, I mean, because this is how people like Roche and to a much lesser extent, Bishop Barron. I, th I think he's he's more centrist, maybe even center right on liturgy. I, I think he's I think he's less antipathetic to the Latin Mass than he often says on that issue. Some things he's center left on hell, but some things he's very center right on. I think the liturgy, Barron gets it, but someone like Roche or Pope Francis would be talking to a young person, rapping with them about groovy stuff and what's whatever's far out. And I think they'd be like, okay, what do you do on a Friday night? You go to the theater, you have some popcorn, you have some candy, you watch a, a, a movie, you know, hopefully a movie with Hollywood superstar Shia LaBeouf. You have a great time. You know, yeah, there might be a sex scene in it. You don't have to avert your eyes. You're basically an adult. Mortal sin's not real. Things like that, you like them, right? Well, how about if we incorporated all that? into the liturgy on Sunday so you don't have to be bored thinking about sin or cross this, condemnation that on Sunday. No, we want people saying Jericho this. What, what is reveling your love, Joyce? Ezekiel that. Jericho that. No, <laughs> the young people are like, no, when I go to Mass, I want it to be Mass. Fire and brimstone. 
I probably shouldn't even be watching some of the movies I watch anyway. We ain't purity spiralers over here in the Gordon household, but come on, people know. Yeah, they want to hear about the fryer and brimstone. That's why I'm here, bro. That's what I want you to rap with me about in the homily. And then you get Bishop Barron admitting, he's like, yeah, our homilies were all non-biblical. What's the homily? It's supposed to be an explication of the gospel. Our homilies were all non-gospel. And then Shia LaBeouf is like, really? And then he's like, yeah, yeah, and that, and um, yeah, we were surprised to find out that turned out to be a catastrophe. Everyone's like, duh, <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean? That's like having a a math lesson where you're 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 teaching uh, alchemy or something. Like that turned out catastrophic. Well, you're not teaching math. Telling jokes, all that. Telling jokes, steering away from the gospel. So I, I, I don't think he said it was a total surprise, but he said it like it was a total surprise. You guys get the point. This is what they need to be told. Now, I'd say, write your bishop, write your archbishop. But when even cardinals, like the one time number four in the church, Cardinal Burke did that, he's been ignored for some thousands now, numbering in the thousands of days by his boss, the Pope. So they just ignore us, unless we're Hollywood superstars, like Shia LaBeouf, Hollywood superstar Shia LaBeouf. (laughs) They ignore us. So in a way, they're incorrigible. They're like naughty children. I'm not just talking about Father James Martin. He's naughty. He's a naughty pet. No, I'm talking about all of them. Even when they say, hey, come for this talk. We want to talk to you. Like Cardinal Roche said to Shia LaBeouf, how how open to dialogue could they really be if if they don't have eyes to see or ears to hear? None so blind, none so deaf. We'll see how it plays out. I'm not even cautiously optimistic. I wonder what the real purpose of the dialogue is. They, they could ask any one of us. It doesn't have to be Hollywood superstar Shia LaBeouf. Ask me. God bless you guys. Join the Baltimore Catechism class. In the last couple days, it'll even be open, starting on Tuesday. Have a lovely weekend. Day as well. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb.